0: There we go. Brilliant. (laughs) We're back. If anything, the man can
1: crack a beer. I've
0: done that once with (laughs) Tom. All right, chaps. So um, the one thing which we never take for granted, we're all very, very lucky to be working in this game, as we say, Um, but one thing which I think um, a lot of people don't realise is how much travel is involved in this. Um, I'll start with you, Adrian, what is the best place you've ever gone to watch a match at?
2: <sighs> I'm I'm going to be probably boring here, but just because of the size of the club and who it is, I still think going to uh, the Bernabeu, watching Real Madrid play under the lights, European night is something that... That's why every player wants to play for them. That's why they're the biggest club in the world. And no disrespect to Manchester United and Barcelona. Real Madrid are the biggest club in the world. And if you go there on a night when they're playing a European Cup game where they have to win, I don't think there's a better environment in the whole of the world. What's up? Sure, Surely be Sonny Birmingham. <laughs> um, I'd have
0: to
3: say St. Andrews. Oh come <laughs> off it! I mean, me. The size of the club, Birmingham <laughs> the City. Birmingham City. Yeah. Is, the, the ground is called St Andrews. Uh, no, um, I'm gonna. There's there's two places that stick out. I had a recent trip to Argentina. I went to the Bombonera, where Boca Juniors play. That was quite surreal. And I'm gonna give a little shout out to Ian Fuller here, Newcastle United supporter. I went to St James's Park back in the day when Kevin Keegan was manager, and they were flying in the Premier League. Pound a keg. it was incredible <laughs> it, it was actually incredible a, a friend of mine who I played with at Wofford just was bought by uh, Newcastle, so I'd go and see him when I could. Who was I uh, Jason Drysdale Okay. yep um, and I saw three or four games at St James's Park in that in that time when they were at the top of the
2: Premier League, and it was incredible. Not many more exciting. Teams ever in the Premier League. If you, if, when you remember back, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Back Ferdinand then. and Shearer and Shearer there, was a monster, wasn't you know, it? and Janola crossing the ball yeah. and then Nento coming in on it. You know, Les Ferdinand and Alan Shearer. My God, good luck mm. if you're a defender with them. incredible. <laughs> uh, JP, best place you watched again.
4: game? Estadio uh, Nacional in Lima, Peru. Really? The two teams were Universitario and Alianza. Okay. That is, that is the, the Super Clásico mm-hmm. in Peru. The the team of the common people, Alianza, versus the team of the rich, Universitario. And the first time I got a chance to see it live in 89 was shortly after most of the Alianza team had been killed in the Falker plane disaster. Wow. And Cubillas rebuilt the club, bought the players pretty much on his own dime. And you could hear half of the 60,000 people in the place... Obviously, Laúl fans just chanting Falker. Okay. Intriguing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I can follow that one up. But, um, um,
1: I was able to see Porto uh, play Braga this past fall, and that was an incredible experience. I mean, they the Portuguese love their football, and it's an incredible stadium. I th- it wasn't built too long ago, but it's, it's oh, beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's actually um architecturally just just fantastic i don't i don't know who the architect is but apparently he's quite famous in europe but to see that stadium uh, and the hatred for the for the braga players and the fans uh it was it was it was quite interesting it was fun
2: i went i went to watch go down to Wato's what wat was saying before i went to watch uh, Boca river mm. in, wow. the, in the bomb in the era mm-hmm. and um they come back and scored in the last minute to win the game then they were 2-0 down I have never been in a stadium where the stadium is moving the stadium feels as though you're moving in the stadium so the Bombonera takes some beating it does but but when you get in the Bernabeu it's got like five layers. It's just like, it, you can't see like the top of the stadium. Yeah. And it's right on top of the, yeah. and European nights are so special for, for Real Madrid. That's why they probably won the yeah. European Cup, was it 10 or 11 times? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, it's something else. But that's what football make, makes football, the atmosphere within yeah. them stadiums. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I, had, I had an
3: interesting moment at the Bon Bonaire. So they were playing Tigre, which is a smaller club. Mm-hmm. And the place is just going nuts. Tigris score early after 15 minutes. And I said to the guy I was with, I go, how did the fans react to this? He goes, this is when they they really support the team. This is when they get twice as loud. And I was thinking they were going to start kind of being negative and whistling and all that. He goes, this is when they really need them. And the place doubled in terms of the intensity and atmosphere. And then they went on to win three. I think it was 2-1 in the end. But it was, it was quite incredible where you think they're going to turn on the players and kind of give them give them yeah. some. That's when they they really feel they need us right now so we're going to support them even more I to think, help them go on and win the game. I, I, think, I thought
2: it was incredible. I think it's an important lesson though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that while the 90 minutes are on as a supporter, for our supporters listening to this, you can actually make a difference. Yeah. If you want to scream and shout at the end and whistle, I get that. Mm-hmm. But while the game's actually going on, you can... You can actually affect the Perfect result by yeah. like picking them players up. You know we're not giving in, and we're going to stick to the end. That's when big, big, big clubs with their crowd start to come together. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. We'll, we'll shift gears slightly. Um, you chaps uh, have coached all over the world, many different levels. You, you've come up against so many different obstacles, whether it was as a player or a coach. Um, what? I'll start with you. First of all. <coughs> best moments as a professional player for
3: you? Best moment as a professional player. I won a gold cup in, in, uh, I think it was 2001, which was a, which was a good moment. It was a big moment for, uh, for Canada. We don't win a lot of, Mm. a lot of things internationally. Um, that was a big moment. I got another moment. I thought was, and, and I, from where I came from, I, I, I felt like it was a surreal moment. had a, had a, a cup tie against Chelsea when I was playing for Oxford and I thought that was a pretty big moment it was Chelsea full of the big stars Desailly and Zola and um, and all them and I thought that was a pretty that was a pretty cool moment we drew them at home we can see the late penalty in the 94th minute or we would have won the game and then we had to we had to replay back at Stanford Bridge so mm-hmm. you that was a pretty good it, moment I don't remember it
2: very well no,
3: the And <laughs> we're, we were the lead um, Game on Match of the Day that night um. and, and for me coming I, I probably should never be where I am right now it was, it was someone from where I grew up Probably shouldn't have done that And I thought it was a pretty big moment And I, I, I love Match of the Day, it's still my favourite programme ever and we were on Match of the Day that night, and it was that was a pretty cool moment.
0: For those listening on, wear Match of the Day is a highlight show broadcast by the BBC, and on a Saturday evening, all the big games in the Premier um, League, and it's it's historic. It really, really is. If you have a chance, you must watch Match of the Day. Um, JP, what about you? Playing?
4: There's there's two. One I actually played in the match, and, and the other I didn't. Um, ironically, but the one I played in was the first game I ever played in as a pro, and it was in Peru and I did not know a word of Spanish. <laughs> um, I'd probably only been there about three and a half weeks, and I could not set my wall. I mean, I was trying to, and I was <laughs> doing it in English, and they were all looking at me like I was nuts, and the first goal I ever gave up was on a, on a set piece there. Uh, but it's one of those things that stuck in my head in terms of, of communication and, and understanding culture and, and adapting and, and all those things, and it's it's one of those vivid memories that I have. The other... I actually wasn't even dressed for the match, but I was sitting on the bench in, in civilian clothes, and it was the opening game of the 96 season for the Galaxy. Ah. So it was our opening game in MLS. And, and the reason why I'll never forget it, and it, 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 it's emotional for me just to talk about now, when you grow up as an American with the old APSL and the USISL and the USL and every alphabet league that existed <laughs> in between, <laughs> You, you realized on that day, they expected maybe fifteen twenty thousand 20,000 people. And so the stadium had covered the rest of the seats with these sheets, these blankets, whatever the hell they were. Mm-hmm. And as people are continuing to pour in, they're just tearing these things off of the seats so people could sit. And we ended up with almost 60,000 people wow. in the crowd. And, and I can remember looking at it, sitting on the bench thinking, I cannot believe this has happened mm-hmm. in the U.S. After having had to leave in 89 to play somewhere else because the old NASL had folded, there was no place to play, and now we were all here. I was 30 years old and well past my best, but it was still happening in my lifetime that this league existed. I'll never forget it. Well. Never forget it. was unbelievable. That's an awesome story. Um, Fuller? Fuller?
1: I didn't have such a great playing career, so I'm going to fast forward (laughs) this really quickly and get... Let Adrian speak, but uh, U.S. Open Cup final against DC was was pretty special. Um, just you were playing for playing for Charleston Battery, and and that's when I uh, met Oz Alonzo We played midfield. We, we beat Dallas uh, at Dallas that year uh, quite handily, and Oz pretty much led us to the final. And there's no question about that. But I was able to score in the final, and that was uh, probably the, oh, uh, really the greatest <laughs> achievement. <laughs> let's let's move on, Adrian. No, no, Adrian no. It's a hey, useless. No. So By the way, we've got to say,
2: game? that was a, a great feat, and they were a really good team then. Charles mm-hmm. the Batchelor were a really good team then. Yep. Okay. Well coached.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. it Go, on. <laughs> Go on then, <sighs>
2: Game? Yes, as a player, yeah. Are they always your debut? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I could have gone to a lot of clubs as a kid and I only ever wanted to play for Stoke City because my dad and my grandfathers used to go and watch every game I started to go to the, the, the games at the age of four when my dad watched every game home and away we, we, we never missed a game so to go and play for them and I had the big move obviously to Everton mm-hmm. and then to score the goal in the semi-final of the FA Cup and it's hard for people, Cal other than maybe me and you in this room what to all understand, the FA Cup was the biggest trophy in England to win yeah. for the best time. Now it's different, now it's the Champions League and everything else, but in them days, you know, to, to go to an FA Cup final, I remember somebody showed me a, a little bio that I'd done from when I was 18 and somebody said, what do you want to achieve in your career? And I put on it, there's only two things, win the FA Cup and play for England. Mm. So fortunately, you know, I scored the winning goal in the semi-final of the extra time and, so that was special. But I think when I look back at my career, playing for Everton for the time I did, to win the league a few times and win the FA Cup a couple of times and European get, uh, Cup Winners' Cup, I, I was I was very blessed to play for that club at that time. You know, mm. so that for me, I, I I can't. I always say this: I can never pick one moment. But that little period, yeah, all of it was special. You know.
0: Now then, well, fast forwards. You've now all finished playing. What all uh, from a, a coach's point of view? What moment sticks out to you where, where you kind of thought this is it? I, I maybe I've made it, or this is the, the best feeling ever as a coach. What, what stands out to you in your career? Uh,
3: that's a good question. Um, I was part of a, a San Jose group that you know had a pretty inauspicious start, but but built ourselves up to a point where we won a Supporters Shield in two thousand twelve probably shouldn't have. Um, I don't know if we were the most talented team, but we had a, we had a good group of players with with some talent. Uh, we had an incredible team spirit. We had an incredible work ethic. You know, and we, we had a season where I think we had, you know, top five all-time goals, and we just had an incredible, incredible spirit. Um, and it was a testament to, you know, some, some old-school fundamentals of, you know, you need, you need ability, you need all these qualities, but if you have a, a group of guys that are committed to, to working and, and fighting every single day, uh, you can achieve great things. And it was, it was a really special team, so I'd have to say that moment. J.P.?
4: The three finals of sporting, the two Open Cup finals and uh, the MLS Cup final, and, and part of it is because they all went down to PK shootouts, <laughs> and they were all played in horrific weather. Seattle, they took us off the field, during the warm ups, we came out late. Game started probably an hour and a half late. Um, but we ended up winning on PKs. Following year, at that point, I think was the coldest game ever. Mm-hmm. Played in MLS, which was the final against Salt Lake, again, winning it on PKs. Then a couple years later in Philly, again, rain drenched, soaking, and we won it on PKs. And they're all those you know, it's those moments that stick in your head because you, you fight for, for, not for days or for weeks, but for months and years just to get to those finals and to win them all on PKs like that was, uh, was exciting, to say the least. Uh, Fulham, best moment as a coach. Yeah, I, I think that
1: I wanted to coach for so long and that first MLS game with Orlando was pretty special. Just the feeling of, you know, I finally made it as a professional coach at the top division, but my favorite feeling... Um, was uh, Minnesota United versus RSL 4-2 um, as most of us can remember it, it didn't start so well that season um, rough game in Portland rough game in New England the home snow game but to finally hear the Wonderwall and the relief that we felt um, to hear the people so excited um, it, it was I had heard the Wonderwall in the NSL but hearing the Wonderwall sing to that extent and for so many happy people, the hairs uh, on your arms sticking up. It was just unbelievable and I'll never forget that.
0: So before we wrap up and go in to Minnesota United, there's a question I wanted to ask you ages Adrian. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer now flying as the Manchester United manager. He did an interview a couple of weeks ago and he spoke about him as a center forward. There were several times when he was through on goal and he spoke about being able to slow everything down. Mm. What, what goes into that? Is that even possible
2: to slow things down when you're in on goal? I think the fact that you've done it so often and you grow up as a kid in that spot. Mm. If you look at it, if, you, if I was to go through from when I started as a kid scoring goals to when you finish at the end of your career, there's so many in are assembly. you would either slid in down one side or the other side. and I, I think everybody has their own technique but i certainly believe as you get older you have a better understanding of what to expect and also you you obviously more experienced and you you probably you have got more confidence in yourself that you're a good finisher and you you know you, you you know the goalkeeper that you're coming up against all them little things but i you know I, I think i think being a goal scorer being in the right spots i i don't think the the goal scorers who score in the six yard box that is a knack. Mm. The guys who score because it's movement and pulling, you can actually teach people that. Yeah. And I think we've done a good job, the coaching staff that we have over the last few years going back to Cadillac and, yep. and Madame or wherever and I, I see Abu getting better and we, we, you know, we're working hard with Mason now. You can actually teach people where to run and when to run, and it's about timing. But you know, Ollie was another one. He, 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 but he always scored big goals as well. Mm-hmm.
0: He was speaking as well about obviously things like you know de- delaying the run, especially when the ball comes from out wide as well, having that momentum behind you and whatnot. And um, out of all the strikers that you've coached, which one did that the best? Ooh,
2: um, I think that. Dom has the best drive to score a goal. Mm. I think he wants to be a star more than anybody else. And he's he's, you know, got an insatiable desire to, to get in the spots where he gets a goal. Like Orlando just had a really poor season. I think he's still got thirteen, fourteen goals. But I, I think the biggest improvement was, was Kyle Lara mm. You know, Kyle came as this raw kid and we worked hard with him as a staff but he, he suddenly started to develop a, a timing and it's not about being fast it's about being smart being in the right spot at the right time where's the ball going at that particular moment and certainly you, you can get, you can teach that to people but the six yard guy that's a, I think that's pretty in and eight for a lot of them yeah so uh, when you're
0: coaching particularly the back line as well as obviously your forte where do you see yourself now as a coach compared to when you first started? I,
3: I think, you know, if you look, at, if you look at, the, at the progression over the years you've coached, when you first start coaching, you think you know a fair bit. And then as you, as you go along, you, you keep looking back and you realize how little you knew previously. So um, I think it's been a progression. I think I've, I've learned every year I've been around. Uh, learned a lot from agents since we've been here. Um, you know I think it's just I think it's um, you know having a set framework but also being open to change and being adaptable so there's always the game's changed a lot you know um, over the years even the last five years I mean there was there was the big Barcelona push where everyone's opening up and playing this possession thing and and there's been a little bit of pushback now there's a lot of different style there's counter press there's
2: there's there's so many different styles. Gang pressing, Gang impressing. Gang impressing. Yeah. So you really have
3: to be flexible. Even even though you have you have a way of thinking and, and some core beliefs, you, you have to be flexible and um, that's a part of your, your development as a
2: coach. I think also if, if, if you look at that the way the game's changed now, because of you're talking about opening up open, and full backs going high, I think and I we've had we've had criticism over the last couple of years about the amount of goals we've conceded. Mm-hmm. You can't just put that down to a back four and a goalkeeper. No. You know, I think that we've been poor at protecting that back four at times. Mm. And I, I honestly believe that with the, the changes that we made, that will help that. You know, it's, 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 it's more than just, oh, you can see goals, it's the goalkeeper, else, <coughs> then the back, so it's You know, the modern game now has gone beyond that now. It's more... You defend with the, you know, the, the full ten in front of the keeper. They have to be in good spots,
4: and if they're not, you know, people see enough video now to work you out. Mm. There, there's no luxury players anymore. There's No, no. Way they can just stand by idly and, mm. and do nothing other than attack. You know, it, it's, it's group defending. Well, the, the best teams have no
2: lazy players no. anymore. No, you okay. forget it. Yeah. I don't care who you are. If you, if you, the best teams now, you you better all be in the spots and yeah. do your job, otherwise. As I say, there's too much video, too much, too many people can exploit the weaknesses now. Yeah,
0: I saw something the other day for someone suggesting that even somebody like Jose Mourinho was maybe a little outdated. Is that true? Is that something that happens?
1: No, I, I think uh, him in the right situation, he'll be he'll be fine and dandy. But there are so many young coaches, and even you know older coaches that evolve and. And a lot of it comes down to how much money are spent at clubs too. Right. You know, and the players that are chosen for them. And sometimes that's out of our hands, you know, out of managers' hands. Um, but I, I do think that, that Jose will find his way back around and, and you know, that the, the game will evolve continuously and that's the, the love of you know, that JP had mentioned the coaches education part of it and and finding that that that, that balance. Mm. i tell you what
2: really important I think with say as well the clubs he's been to where he's had more stick than others if you look at historically Real Madrid and Manchester United you know Manchester United Carl, you've mm. grown up in England they have to play on the front foot attacking mm. football it's no surprise to anybody that since Solskjaer has gone there and opened it up a little bit and let the players play with a little bit more freedom the players have responded if he goes back to Italy tomorrow where historically they have been defensive-minded, Catenaccio and all that stuff, mm-hmm. I think Mourinho's top of the league again and everybody goes, what a coach, this guy is. Yeah. Yep. Fits yeah. right back in. Yeah. yeah. If he goes back to Inter Milan next year and goes like five-four-one, mm. and they win every week 1-0, the Inter Milan fans are going, what a guy this is. This yeah. is great. Because the last time he was there, he won the treble mm-hmm. doing exactly that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, I think certain certain coaches are better in certain countries with certain... Mentalities, if you like. Yeah,
0: before we finish up on Minnesota United, you mentioned him now, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. If you're in charge of
4: United, do, do you give him the job? Who's starting? I'll, I'll start it. Yeah, I'll start it because I like him as a player and I like the, the club. I think that he fits their mentality. He understands what the club's about, the way the fans want to see the game played. Um, he understands the culture in the locker room and, and of the organization. I think he would be and, and do really well there. Now, is he maybe a little young and inexperienced, relatively speaking, compared to the profile of the, of the people that they've had? Maybe. But I think he, he fits the culture. Just as we talked about certain coaches fitting in certain countries or certain cultures, and he fits that club. I think he'd be a great choice. Wilson?
3: I think it needs a little more time. I think they've had a lot of energy. I think when you get a new manager in and you look at Jose Mourinho, there was you know, some difficult relationships and there's was there's a lot of negativity, very defensive. I think the fact he's opened things up, there's there's a ton of positivity. I think the team's kind of driving off that. They've had a preferred schedule. I don't know how many games against the the other top six they've played, so it's maybe a little bit misleading. So I would, I would like to get through the end of the season and then, then make a decision. But he's he's on a really good path. Follow the the two Chelsea
0: bring up an interesting point as well about club culture. How important is it for a manager
1: to understand the identity of a football club as well? No, hundred percent. And um, I I think that you know where we are in Minnesota, it's, it's a bit different than any other place. You know, um, we aren't LA, we aren't New York, we aren't Miami coming in. But um, I think that the, the, the thought of having a manager that uh, is very um, kind of hardworking and pushes his players to play for the fans and play for the people, um, it, it's, it's the right fit for here. It's certainly and, and, and I think that the players feed off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's the, the lovely part about playing in Minnesota is we've got a stadium coming in with fans that are so uh, excited about what's going on and, and the excitement in which... Adrian wants to play and, and how he wants to play. It's, I think it's a good fit.
0: So let's get to it. I've, I've been saying we're going to finish this for the last 20 minutes or so, so let's mm-hmm. get to it, shall we? Um, I'll answer this question for me From where this team was when it came into MLS in 2017 compared to where it is now, what are the differences? And what are the main changes that have been made over the course of the last two years? Adrian, we'll start with you.
2: Um, clubs are unrecognisable. Um, you can never pick, as one or two clubs are sort of going through at the moment. When you come into the MLS, you get the opportunity and you have to take it. At the time that we got offered the opportunity, were we ready 100% on and off the field? The answer would have to be no. But I understood why we had to do it. Right. You know, and uh, so where we were and where where we are now, you know, it's when I look at the training, the training facility, when I look at the stadium that we're going to go into, you know, you, you can't compare the two. I still say that the first year that we were here, this coaching staff will never do a better job than getting 10 wins with the team that we had, the squad that we had and the stuff that we had to go through because people won't understand that, you know, we had a bad winter when the training field wasn't ready and we couldn't train at the right time. We trained a different time nearly every day all over the city. So there's been a lot of challenges. And now for the first time, I actually feel that we have a team that when we go out, we can compare to the opposition, player for player, most of the most of the over the field. And I think it's... You know, for me personally sitting here now, you know, we we have a chance now because we're starting to get a a group of players together that actually are comparable with the rest of the league. Mm. People sometimes don't understand what goes on behind the scenes, do they? The the biggest thing for me that stands out is
3: I would say, for the most part, over the first two years, we go into a game and and the other team has has better quality and better players. But I think it's a real testament to Adrian and his coaching style that. Um, even when we knew we were going up against a better team, he got every ounce out of the players and especially at home, there there was a belief that, um, even if they're better, we can still outwork them and you owe it to the people that pay the money to come watch the game that you need to give them every single thing you got. And I think that's why we had as many wins that we had. You know, our home record the last year was, was excellent. And once again, we're, we're playing against teams with, with, that spent more money and have better quality. And, and we won a lot of games because this team had an incredible passion and work rate and kind of responsibility to, to give everything they had for, for our supporters. Jeffy, what was it like for you coming
0: in in 2018? Because you, you watched this team in 2017. What were your thoughts on the team then? And then when you came in, in 2018, did your opinion
4: change at all? Well, it was interesting watching it from the outside because my perspective was completely different than the rest of the coaching staff. I wasn't involved with the team, so it was the games I was watching on TV and and some of the stuff on MLSsoccer.com. And it did not look like a good MLS team. Um, That changed slightly over time. Um, And coming in 2018, you could see how much work was being done behind the scenes. But rosters don't change in MLS all that quickly. You can't just chop and change and buy and sell like they do everywhere else. So it's taken some time to build the roster that we have today. And the greatest thing to see is how the fans have stuck with the organization and the club. Mm-hmm. That's been awesome. And, and not only stuck with them, it's grown over time and the love affair between the fans and the players and the players and the fans has grown over that time. So I'm really looking forward to this year and, and seeing where it all goes because I, I think we're pretty well prepared. I think we've got a better roster, certainly than we had in, in twenty seventeen, uh when I was watching from afar. So we fun. Fuller, what was it like in your role? Yeah, so I was here the year prior at
1: NASL, so um, I was seeing growth um, even prior to to, to when uh, the staff got here. Um, And it just wasn't as quick as I was hoping for. You know, being in Orlando, it it, it was crazy how quickly things went. But um, I think... The, the the best thing about where we are now is the excitement that, you know, coming into the stadium and the fans and and uh, how the fans have stuck with us. I mean, um, they just, you know, the, the way that they fight for the team and, and live and die by... Uh, not just results, but how how uh, intense the players are, and and how much they push the fans, v- vice versa. And I just think it's an exciting time for for the club. I mean, we've got some new players coming. In. We've got old play, older players that that are hungry. Um, you know, that clearly the the ownerships made a huge investment in the stadium. Uh, And it's just a wonderful time to be a Loons fan. And uh, we all know it's a big year for us, but uh, the excitement level here in Tucson right now with it is is pretty, pretty, pretty large. Gaffer
0: Fuller's right, isn't he? I mean, True North Elite, Dark Clouds, Mill City Ultras. It's amazing to see how much passion there is for this sport in Minnesota.
2: Yeah, they've been incredible to us. And you know, we've had some, when I think of that opening game, there's no game to get beat like we did. Mm and then you loop round and the stadium's still full at the end of the game. You know, I, I, it's probably, I don't think I've ever played in worse conditions or been involved in worse conditions for that. You know, they've been incredible to us all the way. And I, and I just think now that we are capable of maybe giving them the team and the performances that they, they've warranted. Because, you know, we've got an incredible stadium now. And now we have to start to put a team on the on the uh, on the pitch that actually warrants the stadium that we're playing and with the support that we get. What are What are you most excited about in 2019? Well, I just
3: I just think it's it's been a progression over over two years to get to this point. I think we're excited about the roster. You know, we've we've gotten better in a lot of in a lot of spots. Uh, we still we still need to to get better again. You know, I don't, I don't think we're there yet, but I think we're excited about the new guys coming in added to. You know, a, a group of players that had kind of been been built over the previous two years. So I think there's a lot of positivity.
0: JP, you've been a part of a franchise that launched a new stadium and have seen what it can do to a community. How much can this do for soccer in Minnesota? Allianz Field is going to be the best stadium in Major League Soccer.
4: You know, it's an interesting question because when you look at sporting, when I first got there, it was the Wizards. They went through the rebranding. They went through the building of the training facility, the building of the stadium, and there was a progression there that took time. And I see those same things happening in Minnesota. There's a progression that's happening with the training facility at Blaine, with the stadium, with the building of the roster. And slowly but surely, with patience, that success comes. So I see a lot of similarities between the two organizations, and I think it's a, a great time to be at Minnesota United.
0: Gaff, you've, well, you've all played and coached in different stadiums around the world. Having now all of you had the tour of Allianz Field and now we're going to go on another one in a couple of weeks, but having a facility like that,
2: I mean, there's no excuses now, is there? No, we, as I say, I've said it on numerous occasions, we're running out of excuses now. You know, In the past you could have said we, the squad wasn't good enough or we didn't have the facilities. We, now we're we've, you know, coming into year three, we're pretty set along the way that we still need more players you know it'd be nice if you could we know it's a progression but no we're all really excited Um, we feel as though we've got a group of players now that can compete with the most most of the teams in the league and um, we've got an incredible facility I think I was in uh, the last one of all of us to have a look at it I was with Bill McGuire the other week and it's fantastic. It's going to be a special place to play. I'm really excited for the team. I'm really excited for our supporters that they've got a home now. Yeah. That some of these people who who love the sport. And if you're a young kid now, you know you five six years of age. In 50 years' time, you can go. I was there the first day. That's mm. a pretty cool experience when you when you're going into sort of this world of being a lover of football. You mentioned the word home as well. That's, that's the key element, isn't it? It's
0: yeah. going to be home. Chaps, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. I know you're very busy down here in Tucson, Arizona. lot's going on. For all the latest, make sure you download the Minnesota United app. And for everything on preseason, keep it right here on mnufc.com. You've been listening to a Minnesota
1: United
4: production.